want you to turn with me to Jeremiah 29 as you're turning there. If I polled this congregation of what your top five scripture verses were, if you have any knowledge of the Bible at all, it would be a high percentage that would say Jeremiah 29, 11 would be in my top five scriptures. For those of you that don't know Jeremiah 29 and 11, it is a, a promise that God gave to a people long, long time ago. But many of us take the privilege of the inspiration of scripture to apply the promise given to one group to ourself. Jeremiah 29 and 11 simply tells us that God has a plan for us. And in that plan, it is a plan for welfare, for good, not evil. And he promises us a future and a hope. And for those of you that already knew the scripture, for those of you that have embraced the scripture, or maybe somebody hearing it for the first time and knowing now where the reference is, is why I gave the title today that I have. It's an expression we use today quite often. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. The disconnect that happens many times in God's word, his promises to his people, but everyday living sometimes just doesn't line up. Oh, we can leave church services sometimes, such as what's just happened here. And you're like, man, that was wonderful. I love what I felt. How many of those were allowed to feel things? And yet there has to be something that goes past just feelings. Because a lot of times our feelings can't catch up to Scripture. Sometimes our feelings can't catch up to the promises. Sometimes feelings get us all messed up. And we can have somebody encouraging us with Scripture, encouraging us with hope, infusing us with hope. And yet the feelings we have in the moment because what our children are doing, our grandchildren aren't doing, something our spouse just said to us just doesn't line up. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. Somebody comes up, oh, you ought to be happy today. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. You ought to be happy. You've got a job. Yeah, I'm not feeling it at work. Somebody in a relationship would say, yeah, I, I'm having a hard time. Somebody single says to them, yeah, I'm not feeling it, and vice versa. So you get the message. Israel found themselves in the same situation as this promise was going forth. I want you to stand with me as we read Jeremiah 29. I want to pick up at verse 4. 29 verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to, to all the exiles. Oh, now we're catching up. <laughs> They're not even in Israel. To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. But speak the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray, we're going to come back to this, go ahead and underline it, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Wow. 
For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, here's verse 11, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then, hmm, then, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it become personal to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, turn to somebody and say, you, you need this. For those of you that are just hearing us for the first time, for someone that has not really looked at this passage in its context, we see a perfect example where we can take one portion of Scripture and take it in a way it was never intended. And therefore, when it doesn't work out so well for us, we're like, I'm mad at God. Anybody ever been mad at God? And here we find a people who are no longer in Jerusalem. They're no longer even in their home country. They've been exiled. It is Jeremiah and a small group still left behind. All these deportations going on into Babylon, modern-day Iraq. And Jeremiah is writing to them. And this verse 11 The Lord is speaking to them and said, I have plans for you. If you are in exile and somebody is writing you a love note from somewhere else where they're still at home, you almost want to spit on it, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, buddy, you're not the one exiled. You're not the one doing without right now. I've lost everything. And now you're sending this message to me. It's quite a message. And when you look at this, and again, as we embrace it for our own today, there are great truths that we get to extrapolate from, and we get to own it. But we got to get the big picture first. The big picture is God's writing to them. He's speaking through Jeremiah. The Lord has spoken. He's telling them what God is saying. And what an incredible statement that he gives them, the instruction he gives them. He says, and while you're there, go ahead and build houses. And go ahead and marry. Go ahead and plant gardens. I mean, how many times when we get moved from some out of our comfort zone, do we really want to take time to plant a garden? Wouldn't we just rather go down to Quick Trip and get a snack for the moment? 
Because God, surely you're not going to leave me here long because you love me, you promised that, and I don't like where I am right now, so you're not going to keep me here long. God says, go ahead and build a house. Go ahead and marry. Go ahead and have children. Go ahead and plan on grandchildren because you're going to be there, another expression today, for a minute. And for those of you who haven't heard that expression for a minute, that means for a long time. I mean, this is not the message we want. God, I want out now. I don't like where I am. I don't like this change. Anybody ever been there? Anybody there now? (laughs) Build houses. Go ahead and live. Because I'm sending you a promise. And it's going to happen. But you go on with life. We need to hear this. We get coddled at times, at least in our mind. And God, you just, you know, you love me. You bless me. I'll never have a rainy day. I'll never have a problem. I'll never have a sick day. How's that working for you? You feeling that? Life goes on. And I love this expression. And we've got to hear, if we don't hear anything else today. God tells them, and while you're there, pray for it. For its welfare will benefit your welfare. It will determine your welfare. Wow, that just changed everything. You mean the place that I'm in that I don't like right now, I'm to pray for it? The school you've put me in that I don't have a first friend here, I'm to pray for it. This job that I've got that I used to enjoy, but most of the employees I first hired in with are gone, and the new ones, I don't like the first one of them. I'm to pray for them. Come on, somebody. Are you feeling it yet? I've moved to this new city. I don't like it. These people are hateful and nasty and mean. I don't like this world. I don't like what happened to my country. I don't like what's happened to my city. I don't like what's happened in my family. Pray for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Wow. You mean we're going to reap what we sow? So if I'm in a situation that I don't like and all I do is grumble and complain about it, what am I sowing? And what am I going to receive? Speak of planting gardens, if you plant a grumbling, complaining into your garden, you know what you're going to eat? Grumbling and complaining. No wonder nobody likes you. No wonder people complain about you. Boy, I got quiet. What a message. Here is a people experiencing what most of us will never experience in life. This severe, this drastic, go ahead and build a house. Go ahead and raise your kids. Don't forget who I am. And pray for its welfare. Pray that it's, it prospers. Because that's going to determine how you prosper. Man, we got to hear this. I mean, we camp out here all day long. What are we speaking? What are we planting? 
What are we sowing into our present situation? Maybe your health changed. Maybe your location's changed. Maybe you've changed. Maybe someone in your life has changed. We don't we want to go back. We've all got those places in our mind that was a good time in our life. Don't you want to go back there? Well, how are we going to get back there? At least in its spirit. I don't like what's the changes around me. And I'm going to tell everybody I meet I don't like it. You know who you are. Have you ever had a wake-up call where somebody comes up and say, whatever happened to that person? And you're like, what person? That person that was nice to be around, that used to, I used to, used to joke and laugh and have a giggle and all that. What happened to that person? I don't know who you're talking about. You. Where is that person? What person? That person that used to always have scripture in their mind. And whatever they're going through, you could hear them claiming the promises of God no matter what they're going through. I, that, what person? That person that was once sick and, and all through the sickness, they were just trusting God. Lord, I don't know when it's going to happen, but you're going to heal me. I'm just going to believe you for it. And I thank you that I'm still here and you're blessing me in spite of, and I know you're going to fulfill your promises to me. What, where is that person? What person? You. Where's that person? You see, it can happen to any of us. This attitude that God is telling them. The welfare that you're praying for, wherever you are, will determine your welfare. The promise, verse 11, comes out, and you gotta, you got to, again, go to context. Do you know the people receiving this message were actually being punished by God himself? They didn't listen too well before. And instead of God just saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so, he's giving them a goal now. I'm giving you a promise. I'm going to visit you again. It's going to be a minute. I'm going to visit you again. What are you going to do in that minute? I'm going to visit you again. Can we hold on to that and say, okay, God, I don't know how long the night's going to be, but there's going to be joy in the morning. How long has it been since you wake up on a new day and say, Lord, is this the morning you were referring to or is it yet another morning? If it isn't this morning, I'm going to trust you tomorrow morning. If it doesn't happen tomorrow morning, I'm going to trust you for the next morning. Because one of these mornings I'm going to wake up and joy is going to smack me right in the face. Come on, somebody. I'm giving you a promise. How many knows if God gives you a promise, it's going to happen? And in this promise, God says, I've got a plan for you. Well, you know how many times that's carried me through? In a season I don't like. But God's got a plan. See, when I hear that, I hear strategy. When I hear that, the clock goes off the wall. I don't need it because he's got a plan. He didn't tell me minute by minute, play by play, but he's got a plan. So I don't know exactly who he's going to maneuver into my life to fulfill the next leg of it, the next step of it, but God's got a plan. You know how many times I've talked to myself about that? Anybody ever talk to themselves? It's actually a sign of high intelligence, isn't it, Brother Jim? I got an amen out of Jim. Yeah, that is true, though. Because sometimes... You got to say, self, get a hold of yourself. 
Because ain't nobody else going to tell you what to do that's right. So you got to sit down, Randy. Come on, let's have a conversation, just you and me. It's going to be okay. Yeah, that's good, Randy. Yeah, this means yes. That's good, Randy. Get a hold of yourself. And in that somewhere, in my boo-hooing or feeling sorry for myself, anybody ever been there? Randy, remember something. God's got a plan. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if it's going to start evolving today, revolving from somewhere else, but God's got a plan. And in that, he promises a future. I'm going to get through this. If there's a future, that means I'm going to get through today. Come on, somebody. And not only a future, but a future with a hope in it. And let me tell you what that plan is all about. Those of you streaming, he's got a plan for you. And you know what that plan's all about? One thing. It's universal. It's about redemption. Every time it's about redemption. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, all around verse 11, tells us that God is going to overcome every rule, every authority, and every power until every one of his enemies are under his feet. Wow. That's the plan. And so there are things that come into our life. Sometimes we are guilty just like these people. It was self-inflicted. You know, if you have a gun and it's loaded and you, go, you point it down here and you pull that trigger and you shoot yourself in the foot, who else are you going to blame? You shot your foot. It doesn't do any good saying, well, it was that guy that handed me that gun. It isn't that person that manufactured that gun. It was my finger that pulled that trigger and I shot myself in the foot. What do I do now? I need to get some help. I need somebody to doctor this foot. Isn't that right, nurse? (coughs) Sometimes it takes surgery. Sometimes it takes medicine. But there's a future for that foot. I didn't blow it off. I just hurt it real bad. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'm trusting for a day when that thing's healed up. But it's not going to be today. It's going to be a minute. So, God... Even when I mess up. Or if somebody else, how many times have you been caught up in something else? You're like, where in the world did this come from? I don't see any sign that I sowed anything of this, but I'm in the midst of it. You ever been there? Just keep talking to yourself. God's got a plan. You know, it's amazing when you preach the sermons, what people take away. Especially after a couple of weeks have passed, and they'll come up and say, Pastor, you know what you preached on a few weeks ago? Yeah, what was it? Yeah, I remember you talking about it. It's okay to talk to myself. That's all they heard, the whole message. When their spouse says they're crazy, well, Pastor says it's a sign of high intelligence. I love the emails. Paul wrote to the Roman church as well, didn't he? We know another top five scripture that aligns itself with this. Romans 8, 28. Those of you that may not know it, for I know that good 
comes out of all things to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. But once again, we see the future plan that God has for us. It's verse 29. Until we all become conformed to the image of the Son. You see, God's always chiseling on us. He's always working on us. When we first come to Christ, uh, we're just a big old chunk, aren't we? But he sees what the artesian would see. And he starts taking a whack here and a whack there. And he puts some cold chisel against us and digs into that. And a big old chunk comes off. And man, it's like, I I can't live without that. Apparently you can because it's not attached to you anymore. Another big chunk over here, another big chunk over here. But finally, if you'll give God the time, you'll start saying, you know what? I think there's actually something coming into shape here. And if I give it a little more, there's actually something being defined. I like what I'm seeing. This is good. If you let him do his complete work, you say, wow, God, you're amazing. You saw that in this big old chunk when you started with me? Because he's conforming us to the image of the Son. How many of you are closer to Jesus today than when you first prayed to him? Look around. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. Some of you were just a hot mess when he found you. You're no longer a hot mess. You're just a mess. Hang in there. Here's where it comes down to. He speaks to this group and he's speaking to us. I know the plans I have for you. Uh, welfare for good, not evil. A future and a hope. And then he speaks to them. And he says we have to search him out with a whole heart. There's where the rub is. We have a hard time being wholehearted, don't we? I mean, just to take God at his word, it takes time, doesn't it? Because there's things we read and there's like, thou shalt not, but God, I want to. Thou shalt not, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Thou shalt not, and somewhere along the way, he did that for my good, not for my evil. But I got to learn to trust him. To give him my whole heart, that's, that's, that's the real struggle We battle it every day. We do better in some seasons than other seasons. There's times he's done something miraculous in our life. He's delivered us. He's given us a promise. He's blessed us beyond our expectation. And we're like, I'm good. I am feeling it now. And then it starts waning and drifting, eroding. Somewhere along the way, we realize again, I've done it again. I'm not worshiping God with my whole heart. Just part of my heart. I've allowed other things to come into my heart. You know, it's one thing to be in Sunday school or children's church when children are this high and you teach that and they're, they're so pure. Well, for the most part. <laughs> they're more pure than we are as adults aren't they? most of the time. Because you see, we get filled with life and life's experiences. You see, this really is an adult message today. 
Because we allow things to clutter our heart. That's out of the book of Randy. Those of you that know me well, there's certain things that, that I, I, I don't feel at all. I don't like dirt and I don't like clutter. Anybody with me? A few of you. Because some of you clutter everything up you've got. And when it happens to a heart, after a while it's like, well, this is just the way I live. My heart, it's just, it's an expression of who I am. But you see, there's something about clutter. This will preach, folks, by the way. Get ready. Because where there's a bunch of clutter, it's hard to maneuver. And when you're looking for a certain thing that, of course, you have no organization skills and you don't really have a plan where you're going to put something, you just place it and then all this other clutter. And when you're looking for that specific thing, you're just going through all this stuff because it's all... Anybody with me? (laughs) I'm watching fingers being pointed right now. (laughs) And when our hearts get cluttered, It's hard to find that place where we trusted God. When our hearts get cluttered, it's it's hard to maneuver. I used to be able to just to freely get in God's presence, but right now I've got these thoughts in my head. Uh, My phone's blowing up on me. Uh, Something went viral, and I'm nosy, and I want to know what they're talking about. And life happens. And somewhere along the way when everything's just so cluttered, don't you lose hope? Don't you give up? Don't you just quit? Don't you, it's not worth it. I've looked for it, but I can't find it. And somewhere along the way you say, you know what? I probably never would find it, so I'm not even going to start. And that's the expression of a cluttered heart. That's pretty good out of the book of Randy, isn't it? God said, if you'll, if you'll trust me with your whole heart, Carrie, if you'll come, please. The psalmist put it this way. David, King David, those of you that don't know the story well, he, he was blessed, but he got his life cluttered. And one particular pivotal time, he saw a good-looking woman next door. Most of you know her name. And when he looked at old Bathsheba, he said, I want her. He went through the whole process. I'm not going to go through the story other than on the backside of it. He did what he wanted to do. But you see, the welfare of that situation determined the welfare of his life. And so finally, Psalms 51 tells us that the preacher came, the pastor came. (laughs) Nathan came to him and he said, You've been exposed for the sin in your life. And this is when David cries out, Create in me, O God, a clean heart. Out of the book of Randy, he would say, Create in me, Lord, a non-cluttered heart. Would you stand with me today?